Rihanna is officially a national hero, how Spotify Wrapped has a murky internship history and a reminder that black artists don't belong to us. We're Maggie and Jasmine and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We'd also like to celebrate their rich history of culture and storytelling that we can all learn from. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, Miss Byron Bay gal. Yes, it's official. I'm moving there. I'm a local. I love the beach. Love my acai bowls. How was your little trip? So good, Jazz. I can't believe that. Just this morning, I was over in Byron. So I spent like uh, two nights there, um, Mm -hmm. just under three days. It was for a work trip, which is so cool. Like my first press work trip for a brand. So fancy. Um, I know. Like, Sex in the City. I've never seen it, but I'm sure this is what Samantha's life is like. Um, <laughs> but it was so nice. This is my first time in Byron. Have you been before? I have because I grew what? up in Coffs Harbour, so, which is like just down the road. So used to go there a lot when I was a little kid, but like, I don't know, in the last few years, maybe like the last seven years, it's totally changed. And like when I go back, it's just so busy and so like backed up with traffic but maybe that's because I'm like going through the main center like I think the hinterlands are so beautiful and yeah obviously the beach is gorgeous as well I actually don't know exactly where I was because, yeah, not too familiar with the place, but I am so shook. Like I'm actually surprised at how nice Byron is because I think especially for like Melbournians, it's like Byron is just a punching bag. Like it is mm. like the butt of a joke. You know, it's just like, oh, it's funny. Like we get the stereotype with Byron. But like I don't know. I don't know, Jazz. Like it was – the weather was beautiful. The beach is incredible. And the, the locals are so nice. Like I was really blown away by like the community there. Mm. So, ooh, they likes do, it. Yeah, they do get a bad rap, I think. But I, know, I feel bad. Sometimes it is valid, like all the anti-vax stuff. And like a lot of those kind of communities live up there. Um, oh, yeah, I was scared. Because it's like such a health retreat vibe. But Completely. obviously, like any place, like you could say similar things with like the protesters down here, like every mm. place has its pros and cons and communities. So how nice. I'm so jealous. Like it I looked know. beautiful on your feed. That house is like dream house. If anyone follows me on Instagram, you would have seen this like very cool 80s interior shot of the place I was staying. I do want to say that was a lobby. So it's not like my room. <laughs> Um, but I also have to say, so this part's not sponsored or whatever, but it was a trip with Swiss and guess who zoomed in like as a surprise? An international celebrity? Uh, you could say, yeah, yes or no. Wait, give me a hint. Give me a hint. Okay. He is a Marvel actor. Oh, Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Oh, my God. Him and his lovely wife zoomed in and I got to see him in all like his live. glory. Yeah, like live. <gasps> That's so cool. I, hyperventilating. What a beautiful, beautiful human. Um, mm. So, yeah, that was very cool. 
Very cool. And he has houses up in Byron as well. So yeah, exactly. he And he's shooting in Prague. He oh, says it's casual. snowing. He sends his love. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, enough about this. Tell me about your weekend. My weekend has been very relaxing, which has been needed. Like I've been getting out of bed early-ish, but like I've still, like I feel like I've been doing really relaxing things, like lots of walks. Um, the weather's been beautiful down here. I went out for dinner last night to this new restaurant in Melbourne. And then today I did a practice run for my half marathon that is in seven days. Getting a bit nervous, but... I was speaking to one of our colleagues, Mina, and she's run um, a half marathon before. And I was like, what is your biggest advice? And she said definitely to do a practice run, like as if it was the day of. Um, And I'm grateful I did because I learned, I feel like I'll do things differently next weekend. Mm. Um, But yeah, the first time I've ever run 21 kilometers. So proud of my body doing that oh my god I am so proud of you I that figure is just too high like I can't even picture that I don't even know I can't fathom it like what you just (laughs) said today like is humanly impossible to my brain so yeah big congratulations thank you I love that um I'm glad that we have one like fit sports run girl in this (laughs) culture club um, because today both my butt cheeks are sore and I think I probably walked for like 30 minutes (laughs) oh my god you do exercise no it's I used to be like I used to do a bit of Zumba and some yoga but when you have a full-time job you do nothing I don't understand sorry I don't want to wake up at 4 a.m I can't do this (laughs) As well as running and eating and walking, I also have been re well not rewatching, kind of restarting, I guess, Gossip Girl because they had a bloody three month break, <laughs> and now the second half of the season is out. I heard that you were also watching this on the weekend. Oh my goodness! I accidentally binged four episodes last night, which is four hours. Um, and yes, the second <laughs> half of the season is as, if not more, trashy than the first half. I think it's more trashy than I remembered. Yes, I agree. The first season, the first episode back is the Thanksgiving episode, and that really hooked me. I was mm. like, oh my God, finally. Like, I feel like this is a little bit OG Gossip Girl. It's dramatic. Of course, there's the classic um, scene where everyone is spilling secrets over a table, which I feel like mm. is a trope in a lot of movies. Um, but then I watched two more today and it's just kind of like gotten a bit ridiculous. And Zoya is really annoying. Actually, both of the sisters are really annoying me because I know she's like a four, 15-year-old girl 14. and like 14-year-old yeah. girl and they're super passionate about things, which is great. But like sometimes I'm just like, please just like calm. <laughs> Not calm down, but like please just like take a step back and reevaluate the situation of what's going on because I don't know. I guess maybe that's meant to be the difference between the two sisters is like the I feel like Zoe is very headstrong and mm. Julia is more Julian. Ju- and Julianne is more heart focused. 
But yeah, I don't know. There's been a few serious moments where you're meant to be like, oh my God, I can't believe this happening. And I've actually been like laughing at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of giving me that kind of uh, Riverdale pipeline. Mm-hmm. So do you remember when it started off super strong and now there's like eight seasons and you're like, what is going on? If Gossip Girl ever does a musical episode, you can oh. count me out. Binge subscription <laughs> down the toilet. So yeah no that's so true yeah it's like definitely more trashy teen vibes than the original I watched one episode and I nearly finished it halfway through because I was like this is just getting ridiculous but there are a few other storylines that I really like I think it's just like the main storyline at the moment I'm like oh my god this is so like you can just see what's gonna go wrong anyway I love this we're talking in code because we don't want to spoil anything (laughs) exactly like if you haven't seen it probably like oh my god what is this but yeah, if you have, you know exactly what we're talking about. Adding to her title of billionaire, goddess, musician, and the founder of Fenty, Rihanna is now officially a national hero. Barbados has become a republic and Rihanna was given her title at Barbados National Honours Ceremony and Independence Day Parade. In her acceptance speech, she said, Nothing compares to being recognised in the soil that you grew in. Barbadians are a proud people. We are probably the proudest people I know. No matter where I go in the world, I take that pride with me. Honestly, some of the sweetest words I've ever heard about someone like talking about their home country. So what a joy to hear. I also do want to play a snippet of um, the actual speech that was like told about Rihanna as well, because it was just so beautiful to see um, Barbados just really, really love her and really appreciate her for who she is. So we'll play a snippet now. On behalf of a grateful nation, but an even prouder people, we therefore present to you the designee for National Hero of Barbados, Ambassador Robin Rihanna Fenty. May you continue to shine like a diamond and bring honor to your nation by by your words, by your actions, and to do credit wherever you shall go. God bless you, my dear. Thank you. As reported by Elle, Rihanna admitted that the billionaire title frightens her a bit in a September interview with extras Rachel Lindsay. It's scary, Rihanna said. I do think about it all the time. I make it a point to think about it because I get scared when, you know, the pedestal comes into play and we'll put you up there and they keep wanting to put you up there. I'm like, no, I want to be on the ground. I want to feel my feet on the ground because I know it's not going to be a fall at all, if anything, right? I don't want to be this icon. I want to remember who I am. We spoke about this billionaire title like a few episodes ago and kind of like the ethics around billionaires in general. But then we were also kind of debating like, well, if it's going to be billionaires, let it be Rihanna because what she does for like her country and, um, you know, black girls and black women and that representation is very important rather than like the Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates of the world, right? Mm. 
completely. But reading this quote from her was really, really, really refreshing to hear a celebrity talk so, I guess, candidly about mm. their fame and the power and the fears that they hold. And especially I, I like how Elle kind of linked this um, Barbados ceremony with this interview as well because it's similar. Again, she's literally put on a pedestal. Like there was a whole ceremony celebrating her. So, yeah, like it really, I mean, it's – it's a downfall that we sometimes like idolize celebrity too much, especially black women. Like we put them, we hold them to a higher account and we think, you know, and we expect perfection from them. Mm-hmm. But I think especially this quote just shows how human she is. And it's nice to have that reminder sometimes. So while that was such a sweet moment, it kind of got marred a little bit by the rumor mill. Uh, the internet jumped on this rumor that she was pregnant with hers and ASAP Rocky's first child. It was so random. I saw a pop up on an Instagram account like Ho Nest, like H O E Nest, a Twitter account with 1 million followers also tweeted this, but then there were no sources. And like people we know were believing this and like being like, oh my God, Rihanna's pregnant. And yeah, like it kind of got out of hand, which is such a shame because. It was like her moment to like represent her country. Mm. Well, when I first heard this news, because yes, um, one of our dear friends, Lizzie, sent it into the group chat being like, Rihanna's pregnant in all caps. And I was like, oh, I mean, like that's that's kind of exciting because I was like, oh, like that's so cool. Like I can see her as a mom. Um, but then, yeah, 100% found it very strange that it was just a rumor. We found out that this rumor was, of course, fake by Rihanna herself when someone DM'd her. We're going to add in an allegedly here because it is a screenshot of someone's like Instagram DMs with Rihanna. So take it with a pinch of salt, I guess. Um, But the person writes, can I come to the baby shower, sis? True or not, your babies are going to be beautiful. Sorry, everyone's up in your uterus right now. (laughs) And to that, Rihanna allegedly replied, ha, stop. You ain't came to the first 10 baby showers. You'll breed me every year, damn it, lol. Because yeah, new rumors like this, rise so often Mm. I yeah was so offended on her behalf (laughs) for Mm. this rumor and it was simply because she was like holding her hands over her stomach and she was in a tight dress so obviously her stomach was more prominent but when I saw I didn't even think twice about her stomach (laughs) um if anything like knowing the pregnancy rumors after the fact and looking at her tummy I was like that's like what most women's stomachs look like, like just naturally. And if you're just Mm. looking after yourself and eating well. Um, So, yeah, obviously we're talking about it now, but it was just frustrating that this is like a billionaire, a national hero literally, so such a talented woman and people were getting more excited about the fact that she could be pregnant. Yeah, that's completely true. I know I feel like we have like same iterations of this conversation like yes let's just stop speculating about women's or just anyone's body and it's just frustrating and yeah I can't imagine what it's like constantly this happens to so many um, particularly female celebrities so it is annoying that her talent and prestige became less of a focus um, because of a rumor like this. (laughs) 
Spotify wrapped dropped this past week, aka Musical Christmas. And we definitely want to start the segment off by thanking some of our lovely, some would say fave, listeners who tagged us on Instagram stories showing Culture Club in their wrapped. It was so nice to see, and we still like can't believe that you spent so many minutes listening to us ramble on and it made our days so thank you for sharing it honestly made our day so thank you for stroking our egos but um spotify also helped with that because if you have a podcast they kind of show you some stats as well so we got our own little podcast spotify wrapped um keep in mind that these are now full stats as well because we like change platforms yada 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 but Spotify told us that 268 of you listen to us, our podcast, more than any other potty. And oh my God, this is so cute. But 56 of you listen to us on your birthday. So, so happy cute. birthday if you're listening to this and it's your birthday. <laughs> so wholesome. Uh, we did this last year and we're going to do it again just quickly. What were your top songs and top artists? I don't think we've actually compared. No, we didn't, but I was actually shook. Mine were all Olivia Rodrigo's, Taylor Swift, and Billie Eilish. Wow. I am kind of shocked because, yes, I love these artists, but um, I didn't realize how, I guess, pop mainstream my tastes were. But the numbers don't lie, baby. The only, um, I guess, abnormal um, artists that appeared in my top five uh, was from the soundtrack of Minari, which, which is a film that I've talked about before on this podcast. But yeah, just a rogue movie soundtrack as well. But what about you? That is very sweet. My number one, of course, was Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And then I had a couple of indie people in there, Japanese Breakfast, who we've also mm-hmm. spoken about a lot on the pod. Lord, who's not really indie oh, anymore. Oh, yeah, me but... too. Sorry. <laughs> she was my top artist. I forgot. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, Lord was my number three. Wallows was my number four, who mm. were my number one song last year. Mm. And, of course, Olivia Rodrigo at number five. But then my singles were all different. They were so random. They weren't like no Taylor Swift singles. So I don't know what was going on a lot this year. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you think of the actual rap this year? Like it's been a little bit more controversial than <laughs> previous years. Oh, maybe that's actually part of the marketing strategy Mm. because, yeah, we have so many questions for Spotify. First off, the copy that was used was very interesting. It sounded like something straight out of like 2015 in a way. So people rightly pointed out straight away that it was very cringe, but also that it borrowed or took from AAVE, which stands for African American Vernacular English. Yeah, let's read out a few examples that they said. So, in 2021, you did what you had to do. You always understood the assignment. You deserve a playlist as long as your skincare routine. I remember seeing a tweet um, a few months ago saying, like, understood the assignment is because it's from a song um, by a black woman. And they, people were saying, black people were saying, like, I never want to see that phrase again. Like, it's just been used to death and, like, brands have just co-opted it so mm. much. Like, it was such a caption for so long and it's just so sad. Like, just goes to brands to die. It's true. Um, and, yeah, majority, I would say, of, like, in internet lingo and internet trends and phrases do originate from black communities. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but seeing Spotify do this was 
Oh, so embarrassing. <laughs> um, and also the graphic design was pretty divisive. What did you think of the shrunken and stretched fonts for your top genres? Personally, I thought it was a glitch. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I can barely even read this and I have great vision. Oh, my goodness. I loved watching this conversation unfold because as someone who has studied graphic design and technically has a degree in it, um, I was like, oh, yeah, this is just like cool and trendy. Like this is what's hip. Like, uh, like this is, yeah, what actually this is kind of reflective of the styles in graphic uh, design communities I think so I was like oh yeah it's like cool I didn't realize people hated it so much but I do agree with you that it wasn't accessible like <laughs> it is hard to read um but yeah I thought it looked kind of funky so obviously we love Spotify wrapped even though we're critiquing it and it's all a bit of fun but what about our data do we care that our data is being tracked mined analyzed and sold off by big business yeah, we have this conversation quite a lot because it's an important one, right? Um, we grew up with technology, so it's kind of obvious that we should question how it's being used. Uh, we've talked about it before on the pod and we've found research and statistics that show that Gen Z literally don't care. As a whole, we don't care. We like it. We like personalization and customization. And yeah, we want our data being used for slash against us. Um and I definitely can attest to that. I should be more worried, I think. Like I literally did so many subjects on this in uni, but whatever. What about you? I agree about that. Like I think our data is going to be tracked either way. So if it is, you may as well have some fun with it and like actually get use out of it. Like targeted ads, sometimes they are awful and make you buy things you don't need. But other times you can think of something or you saw something on a website a week ago and it just randomly will pop up in your feed and you're like, oh, thank you. That's when it's like helpful. I actually, if I see a targeted ad and let's say I do like the product, I will take a stand and purposely like not click through I will like Google separately or whatever because I'm just like I don't want to feed into this mm. and I don't don't like it but I mean that's just what like the world that we're living in I guess um, I did see this good CNN article called Spotify wrapped shows how our personal data gets sliced and diced and that is by Rachel Metz let's read out a little bit we know for the most part that our apps and devices are constantly logging what we do and using that data to make decisions, but rarely do they present such a glossy dossier of our activity assembled much like a holiday gift. And while it can be fun, it may make us pause too and think about the magnitude and potential drawbacks of such data collection. While Spotify wrapped feels festive, personal data wrap-ups may not seem so fun and harmless from every tech company. If, for instance, a service like Google's Gmail sent you an email about your 2021 year in messages, pointing out how often you started emails with hey or ended them with best, or the number of times you searched for old emails sent to or from ex-boyfriends, that might be a little creepier. And I think that that is what makes Spotify's position so unique, is that like, it's music. It's so personal to our lives. It tells us and the world about ourselves and which subcultures we belong to and how we spend our days. Like, 
you know, our friend Lizzie is obsessed with true crime and all of her top podcasts were like five different crime podcasts and um, it just tells you a little bit more about yourself and I think we like that. Whereas if it was like, yeah, like the Gmail thing, then it's just a different level. So I think Spotify is just very lucky and sitting at this good intersection. Yeah, I mean, I read another piece that kind of critiqued it on that point, being like, well, music is so personal. Mm. For instance, um, in the piece I was reading, the person they were talking to was like, yeah, what if your close friend died and all your music's so depressing and it's like triggering for you to see this wrapped? Like little things like that. I was like, okay, that's pretty what? intense. I know. I don't know. That's a bit I don't of a know stretch. How I, feel about that. I think so too. But I have to say, this is so funny that you brought up Lizzie and True Crime Podcast. I saw this tweet today. I literally laughed out loud. I'm going to read it now. Um, square bracket. You get brutally murdered and the killer is never found. Somebody 30 years later watching a documentary about it. Square bracket. Turning it off. This is fucking boring. I love good true crime meme and making fun of the true crime genre, but that's a different conversation. Um, The thing with Spotify wrapped is it's also free advertising for them. Like it wasn't just that we were seeing people's Spotify wrapped on their stories. There was so much like content being made about it and like games being made up of them. Did you see that? I did. Like I saw the one that was like, guess which Spotify rap belongs to, which celeb, and they'll have screenshots of different ones and you have to match it up with a person. Did you see any others? I saw that from the Shameless Girls. Yeah, me it too. Was it was like, very um, cute. <laughs> yeah, match to Spotify wrapped with this shameless staff member, which was cute. But yes, it was everywhere. Articles trending on Twitter. So a little bit of background about the Spotify wrapped. They started packaging up your data in 2016 and it wasn't considered the kind of pop culture phenomenon it is today with that shareable content until last year. So according to Forbes in 2020, more than 60 million users engaged with the in-app story experience and it was mentioned on Twitter over 1.2 million times. Do you remember a few years ago when you had to like log into an external website, like get an email and then like put in your Spotify account password and then it would pop up on your laptop? Um, Yes. Yeah. Whereas now it's so easy to share. Like you can share all the slides and it feels like you're tapping through an Instagram story. Completely. I can't believe that only changed last year. It feels like it's had such like Mm -hmm. an impact on our society. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. So Rap started using this story format when artist Jewel Ham was working as a Spotify design intern back in 2019 and she didn't know her work would become so wildly used and like a lot of other interns, she didn't get credit for it. It's interesting to note that this first came into like our vicinity um, last year when Jewel wrote on Twitter, I really invented the Spotify rap story concept as an intern project in 2019 and they haven't looked back since LMAO. I also do want to add that now she's kind of said on her platforms, um, on her Instagram this year, that she has moved past this and she doesn't really care about this as much anymore. So, you know, this isn't, yeah, this horrible grudge she has against the company. Right. That's important context, I think. Because in a piece for Refinery29, writer Wizzy Kim spoke with Jewel in a piece titled, The Intern Who Created Spotify Rap Story Format Never Got Her Due. 
Refinery29 Australia reposted that on their socials this week. And by they, I mean you reposted it on oh, socials. It was a team effort. You like found this this article. So I was like, hell yeah, let's republish. But yes, us. <laughs> and now it's gone almost viral on Instagram, like if that's even a thing mm-hmm. anymore, um, with lots of comments. You can go check them out if you want. Of people saying like, oh, she's an intern, like that's expected or like, at Spotify, this is disgusting. How can you like do this to people? It's a very polarizing piece, but I just wanted to read out a little bit from the article now. Jewel quote re-envisioned the data as something much more interactive and communal, something that lived on social media and naturally fed into its ecosystem. Jewel says, when I gave the presentation at the end of my intern project, it was received really well. They liked the idea, and that was my last day. Yeah, and Refinery29, this article was written last year. They reached out to Spotify to comment and they actually said that this was accurate. Uh, The quote that that was provided was, Spotify is proud to provide young talent from all backgrounds with the opportunity to create, contribute and learn alongside some of the best teams in the business. They kind of then go on to say that the rap concept was first introduced in 2013 with hundreds of employees contributing to this um and yeah that's what's made it what it is today Mm. they say while ideas generated during spotify's internship program have on occasion informed campaigns and products based on our internal review that is not the case here with spotify rap it's unfortunate that things have been characterized otherwise. Ooh, clap back from Spotify. I know, that's quite harsh. Like that is a very firm stance that they have given. Um, also more context as well, because a couple years before that, it sounds so weird because, yeah, Instagram stories are so cemented into our everyday lives now, but that was, it was you know, it was only a few years ago when that was introduced. So mm. Instagram stories existed, same as Snapchat stories, obviously, things like that. So that story format was already around, but Jewel kind of combined that with Spotify Mm. wrapped. Um, Yeah. Do you know that when Instagram stories came out, I was like, I'm never going to use Instagram stories. I have Snapchat stories. Like why would I need to use Instagram stories? And I haven't logged on to Snapchat in probably four years. Oh, completely jazz. I had the exact same thing too. I was like, what is this? We don't need this. And look at it now. I also think this story highlights the issues with internships and how they are marketed as like getting your foot in the door, but then they can take advantage of and profit off the labor of young people. I'm pretty sure every person I went to uni with has at least one horror story of internships. You know, there's always like the horror stories you hear. Yeah. And I think what you just said, you're right. It's usually young people doing internships and we can't look past the fact that Jewel is a black woman and that just brings another layer of ickiness to this um, as well and it's so interesting because like you've said the refinery 29 instagram post is going off with a lot of people in the comments voicing their opinions and a lot of the people are like she's an employee this is what she was paid to do and the funny thing is she wasn't an employee that's that's what's kind of the point point. yeah so yeah it's very annoying that internships even though this one was a paid internship are just what like the creative industries are built on and they're expected. And yeah, you're right. There's always horror stories with them. 
Also interesting that Jewel is a black woman and we were just talking about Spotify, like taking AAVE language. Just profiting enough black culture everywhere. And this isn't even mentioning that, of course, streaming artists barely receive any money for their streams on Spotify. Just a content warning at the top of this segment, um, we will be talking about death and we briefly touch on suicide as well. Last week, prolific fashion designer Virgil Abloh passed away at the age of just 41. Virgil battled the disease privately after a diagnosis of a rare form of cancer called cardiac angiosarcoma back in 2019. It was a shock to the fashion and art world as it seemed that Virgil was really just getting started. If you're not sure who we're talking about, Virgil was the first black artistic director of Louis Vuitton, the founder and CEO of Off-White, the streetwear brand, and a friend slash protege of Kanye West's. They both grew up around the Chicago, Illinois area, and Kanye kind of um, helped him in Virgil's career. Virgil also had a Master's of Architecture and founded the Virgil Abloh Postmodern Scholarship Fund to help black design students, as well as being a firm believer in mentoring and uplifting young people. Yeah, he was also credited with the influence of streetwear making its way into high fashion houses. You know, you think of Off-White with their design features with block text and words um, in quotation marks, like that's attributed to him. So he's had such an influence on not just high fashion, but the way it trickles down to mainstream fashion as well. Definitely. He, and he definitely felt like that once in a generation designer. And when I heard of his passing, it reminded me a little bit of Alexander McQueen back in 2010. Um, Alexander McQueen died at age 40 by suicide, uh, but he was also that kind of young, changes the face of fashion and the course of fashion, and then passes away at a really young age. So similar to Alexander McQueen, I think that we'll be seeing exhibitions of Virgil's influence and work in museums in the years to come. Yeah, completely. Um, But in terms of battling an illness privately, one writer compared Virgil's death to Chadwick Boseman, the actor who passed away in 2020 due to complications of colon cancer. Once again, we will be referencing a Refinery 29 piece. We promise we're not paid to promote this and we will try to source other publications from here on out. Uh, But we found this article by writer Gloria Alamru very insightful. It's titled, Virgil Abloh and Chadwick Boseman's deaths remind us that black artists don't belong to us. It's hard then not to feel blindsided when these titans leave our world so suddenly. They felt like they belonged to us. So the selfish first thoughts are, how can they be taken from us? Not like this. Not yet. Not yet. So it's no surprise that when the world learned of Abloh's passing, some fans felt betrayed. One person tweeted, us fans really care about this, and this totally bums a lot of people out when it's out of the blue. To them, Abloh and Bozeman owed us not only their work, but also their most private moments. They were supposed to die like they lived for public consumption. They continue, do we make and make and make so that we may feel the hands of those we leave behind with the overflow of all the creativity that consumes us? 
We spin tendrils of art and wonder out of pain, and through them, we are bound to each other. Bozeman and Ablo took their work and brought us in, and because of them, we believe that we could be more. They showed us the possibilities that lived in the nuance of their craft, and in keeping the most intimate details of their lives private, they took themselves back and reclaimed themselves as their own. Such a beautiful piece, and I definitely recommend the whole the whole thing. But I think this article really respects both of their wishes of privately dealing with illnesses. But I did also want to talk about some of the social media responses to Virgil's death. And we haven't actually spoken about this yet. Mm. Obviously, he was a beloved figure. And as such, a lot of high profile people shared their feelings. This included people like Bella Hadid, Kendall Jenner and Australian celebrity stylist Christina Centenera. A lot of these posts were, of course, very touching um, and beautiful and everyone has seems to only have had positive words to say. Um, and I'm definitely not trying to police people's feelings or grief, but I saw a good tweet by British writer Ortega Uwagba. She mentioned that when she dies, she doesn't want screenshots of her messages with people to be posted on social media, like as a kind of remembrance memorial thing. And at first I saw a couple and I was like, oh, that's sweet. And they're kind of just like showing Virgil's character. Um, But then after a few, I started to feel a little bit uncomfortable by people sharing their screenshots and text messages. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to like ask you, did you see this and what did you think? You briefly mentioned this to me while we were chatting throughout the week. And while I didn't see any examples of this this week my first reaction was like oh no like I don't want people to do that when I die like that was my Mm. instant thing I was like oh like what if it's you know very personal what if it's cringy what if it paints me in a whatever light regardless of that it's like oh that message was intended for one person right is that how you kind of felt Yeah, like you send a message in confidence. And like I have posted screenshots of messages, like funny exchanges before on Instagram or whatever. But I always make sure to ask the person that I am screenshotting the conversation with to be like, is it okay that I post this? Because even if you think it's a funny joke or a sweet moment, a touching moment, you don't know the connotations of like how the other person was feeling in that moment and like what that message meant to them whether they didn't want the rest of the world to see that, literally in this case, the rest of the world, or if they find it, like you said, cringy, or that's just not how they want to be perceived by people and the public. So yeah, just the kind of, not a trend, it wasn't a trend, but yeah, just noticed a few posts, like example, Eva Chen, I think posted um, a screenshot and they're all lovely screenshots of like, Virgil kind of uplifting people and helping people so it's very very beautiful but it just kind of got me thinking about the bigger picture of like what are the ethics of screenshotting texts and conversations and things after a person has died I also have to add though after we just went and reread some of those quotes from that refinery piece I think my mindset is kind of changing a bit because I think, you know, of course, as you said at the top of your little um, talk, you were like, you don't want to police anyone's feelings of grief Mm. because, of course, that's complicated. And I think it is probably a way to, like, commemorate someone who's gone and Mm. and really kind of 
it's something tangible, I guess, right? You might not mm-hmm. be able to have a conversation with someone anymore, but you have proof of that. And I can imagine how comforting that might be, but that also doesn't take away from the ethics of it. It's very complicated. I mean, sometimes when you get sent emails, you know, when you have that disclaimer at the bottom, which is like, this email is only intended for the person it is addressed to. If mm. This is not you. Like, blah, 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 blah. There's like, of course, a lot of um, ethics around sharing information that's not yours. So that still stands. As I think, like you just said, they have proof. Yeah. Like they have proof that they had conversations with like one of the greatest designers right. of our time. And it's that the fine line of like Instagram posting in general and grieving and like what are we doing with Instagram these days in general? I feel like so many of our topics come back to like Instagram is dying and like what the hell are we using it for? Um, So, yeah, anyway, it just got me thinking. But I did want to finish on this another tweet by Ortega, which reads, so few black creators are allowed to rise to the levels that Virgil Abloh managed to and the levels he'd have surely ascended to in the decades to come. How sad for his journey to have been so prematurely cut short. Yeah, this has been some really heartbreaking news this week, but I am sure that his legacy will continue to live on. It is time for recommendations. So could you please start us off, Jasmine, with what you've been loving this week? On the topic of Virgil Abloh, I really enjoyed the episode of the Culture Podcast this week that is titled How Virgil Abloh Transformed Fashion, Music and Art. I think I've recommended a Culture episode from them before. I just think the way they dissect pop culture in um and they go really deep on one topic so whereas we have like three different things they go really deep on like Taylor Swift or Billie Eilish um obviously this one was about Virgil and it just unpacks how significant Virgil was and it gets across his life story and the impact he had in a way that articles haven't been able to this last week and the app hears from former managing editor at ID and current style contributor for GQ, Mitch Parker. So yeah, I just thought it was interesting to get into more details of his life and work and just how much he influenced the culture. Fitting because the podcast name is The Culture as well. Um, I also very much enjoy their, their episode. So this sounds like a good one. And what have you been loving listening to, reading, watching this week? Yes. So on Tuesday, um, me and you actually went to the cinemas together. How cute. We were invited to a media screening of Wes Anderson's newest film, which is The French Dispatch. I don't know about you, but I felt like there wasn't too much promo for this movie. Like all I knew was that Timothy Chalamet was in it. Had you Uh heard much about this? I was thinking when we were watching it that the last like the last time I thought about it and was excited by it was when like a teaser came out at the end of 2019, like the summer before COVID. Like that's how long I've been waiting for this. You're joking. Yeah, because obviously alongside Timothy, there was such a stellar cast. Like this is not even, this is not even half of the incredible people who star in it, but Tilda Swinton, Frances McDormand, Owen Wilson, and Bill Murray, of course, and um, Saoirse Ronan as well. So 
star-studded cast. Um, I'll give a little bit of background because I went in and didn't know anything about this film. But the French Dispatch is set in an outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city. Its storyline and narrative structure is unique because it goes through several of the stories published in like the fake print magazine. The film is almost a collection of short stories and short films, I guess. It's also such a love letter to journalism. Um, The characters are also modelled after famous writers and editors. And it was very sweet to watch as writers. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah, there are a few moments when they're like in the newspaper office that I was like, oh, like I'm getting work vibes from this. (laughs) I know. I feel like he almost like pandered to people in the media industry a little Mm. bit, like a few inside jokes and whatnot, which I appreciated. Um, A little fun fact, the fake magazine, The French Dispatch, was actually modelled after The New Yorker, which Wes loves. And in general, I would say that the film is very Wes in like the way that the shots were so meticulously thought out. It's very beautiful to watch. And the shots were really interesting and played with framing and camera movements as well. The script itself was super fast paced and it was smart and sometimes hard to keep up with. My criticism would be that it was quite long. It's almost two hours. Um, I went and brought my little sister and she found it quite tedious. Um, But what were your overall thoughts? I agree that there were a couple of points where I was like, oh, I'm getting tired and how long is this going for? But apart from that, I just found it so beautiful to watch. Like even if the stories like each story was individually beautiful, but sometimes it would get a little convoluted of like what's going on. But when you kind of got out, like you lost your focus, it was just so beautiful to see all the details of the sets and just the, the overall vibe, (laughs) um, the overall, yeah, atmosphere of it. And I loved it. Yeah, very wholesome, very cute little movie date. We actually have another one next week, but anyway, save that for later. (laughs) Yeah, Tuesday, right? Yeah, next Tuesday. Cute. Date night. Date night, culture club date night. Okay, well, that's the end of this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. And again, another special little thank you for those who shared with us their spotify wrapped which had us in it we appreciate it so much by the time you hear this there'll be only a couple of days left until my half marathon and if you would like to donate i'm still collecting donations uh the link is in my bio and it's for the victorian aboriginal child care agency amazing um we'll be cheering you on while i nurse my two sore butt cheeks (laughs) (laughs) all righty see you later bye